It is indeed that most wonderful time of the year. Time to throw on your favorite Christmas sweater and settle in with Touchstone Theater for a heartfelt, homegrown, family-friendly celebration of the winter holidays. For 23 years, Touchstone has been ringing in December with the latest edition of the Christmas City Follies, their annual holiday vaudeville filled with music, merriment, and seasonal joy, as well as penguins, jingle bells, panda bears, an endless array of colorful characters, ukuleles, turtles, and dancing shopping carts, of course. It's our very own original Lehigh Valley holiday tradition, and it's already up and running this year from December 1st to December 18th. This is WDIY 88.1 Public Radio for the Lehigh Valley, and you are tuned in to Lehigh Valley Arts Salon. I remain Kate Scuffle, your host, and this evening I'm talking with Emma Ackerman, Touchstone Theater's general manager and ensemble member, about the all-new 2022 edition of the Christmas City Follies. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, and thank you for joining us after having performed last night and <laughs> performing again tonight. Um, I had the good fortune of seeing the production last evening, and it was wonderful as always and different as always. That's something that we uh, we really love doing is is like how do we how do we reinvent things uh, this year? What are the traditions from you know previous years that we want to carry through, and then how do we want to get a little different? What what can we uh, what can we do to keep it fresh? I was going to say for our, some of our listeners who have they've made the horrible mistake of not having gotten there yet. <laughs> So 23 years, the backstory would be exactly, It's what's the format? It's a kind of variety show, vaudevillian? Yeah, it's a, it's a vaudeville that started actually a little bit more than 23 years ago. Okay. I don't remember the exact date, but uh, early on in the uh, sort of Follies history, uh, it wasn't something that happened every year. Mm. Um, and uh, then it just got to be such a thing, such a tradi- tradition that uh, everyone just sort of agreed, like, we need to keep doing this. We need to, you know, make this an annual tradition, uh, both for ourselves as creative people and for our community, uh, our extended family, our audience. Um, So, you know, uh, throughout the Follies, uh, the years of Follies, there have been uh, some recurring characters over the years. Bill George as the old guy, um, Mary Wright as Little Red. We have our uh, BNSN, our ESPN Better Not Shout Network. And, uh, of course, we have our classic shopping cart ballet every year to see what we can do with dancing shopping carts. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to be in the audience when some, when something like Little Red or Bill's mm. old fellow, old guy, starts to enter the stage. And people just kind of, like, murmur and gasp and laugh, just like meeting an old friend. Yeah, you can, you can always tell when there's a, a sort of return audience going on because, you know, there'll be that sort of immediate recognition of, you know, seeing, like you said, seeing an old friend. Uh, you know, scattering of applause and the sort of like waving to and because Touchstone is a very small theater, the audience is right up close to us, which is really delightful because it means that we can share in those moments of togetherness and recognition. Um, and just as uh, just as the audience is seeing characters that are old friends, we're often seeing audience members that are old friends, mm. uh, frequently Follies audiences you know, with a show that's had an over 23-year history, we have a lot of audience members who came to see the show as children, and oh. they come back to it now as adults, many of them with children of their own. So it's become this very intergenerational sort of experience and tradition. Oh, that's lovely. And for listeners, again, so the, 
the format, it, I mean, essentially, even with a returning character each year, which is a daunting thing to take on, mm-hmm. really, it's an entirely new script or new show. It's yeah. an original every single year. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we uh, like I said, we try not to keep, try not to get stale and try to uh, be inspired by both the holiday season and the Christmas season. But, you know, specifically the holiday season here in Bethlehem, the Christmas city, and what are the things that are happening here and now for us in this year in Bethlehem? that make us want to tell stories about them. I was going to say it's a great format to allow you to kind of stay fresh and, and fluid and reflecting the community back yeah, in that way in a moment-to-moment way. There's a, there's a scene that one of the early scenes last night that revolves around post-it notes. You really need to see the costuming folks. It's brilliant. What is the role? I was, you finally, the, the role of post-it notes in Christmas <laughs> City Follies has finally been institutionalized on stage. Tell us about the post-it notes. How do we build the show? Yeah, so in October every year, the Touchstone Ensemble, uh, the longtime cast members and our MFA students, uh, we get together into the room and we literally throw ideas at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, So we might have some ideas for songs, for scenes, for characters, for just sort of floating visuals or, you know, bits that we don't quite know where they live yet. Uh, And we just, you know, poll everyone. It's a very democratic sort of process. And every idea gets a post-it note. So those ideas Mm -hmm. might be something as simple as, uh, I want to do something with shadow puppets. Great. Fantastic. Put shadow puppets on a sticky note, put it on the wall. To something very, very specific, like, I want to do something involving basketball and sports, and the players are very inept, and uh, there's, uh, you know, some sort of wrapping paper involved, and it, it all it's all about, you know, it can get very, very, very broad or very, very specific, but every idea, big or small, broad or specific, musical or not, funny or serious gets its own post-it note. And then by the end of that first day of rehearsal, we have just like tons and tons of post-it notes. And after we've had our sort of initial idea offload, our director, J.P. Jordan, turns to the group and says, okay, what do you want to work on? And from there, we get sort of hour breaks or, you know, 45-minute breaks to just go away with a post-it note and see what we can make of it. And sometimes that means coming back with, like, the draft of a song partially written or, you know, a few pages of a scene partially devised. Or sometimes it's just like, okay, we haven't actually figured out how to do this, but here's what we're picturing. Here's some, like, images we've, you know, Googled that we think we could achieve And, you know, from that, over the next couple weeks, the ideas start to take form. We start to see the ones that are sticking the most, the ones that have the most meat on them, the ones that seem like they might succeed the most. And then JP, as the director, sort of starts cobbling things together in terms of, like, what feels like a good flow? What is the the ride that we want to take the audience on with these stories? I was wondering about that because one of the things that I noted more than usual last night was just noting how much – because there's no intermission. It's moved to a 90-minute format, and it is a roller coaster ride. (laughs) And it felt like that. I mean, it was moving, and it was fresh, and there would be this sense of, like, there'd be a really quiet moment where you just kind of like, ugh – and then someone would burst on stage in some insane getup. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, we're moving on. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> and so there are post-it notes that don't make it to opening night. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, so okay. many. And to be clear, many of them don't make it to the stage for, like, very silly reasons. For, like, oh, uh, this week we can't figure out how to make the puppet. Or it will take too long to do well. We know we could do it, but, but yeah. yeah. So, like, 
we have lots of very good, very viable ideas every single year that don't make it into the show. That's what I was thinking when you mentioned Flo and JP. It's not fair to him. He's not here to answer this. But I was struck by that, too, thinking the kind of curating, again, of it to create a mood and without without giving anything away, no spoilers. I will say that I, I started the evening unexpectedly weepy and ended the evening unexpectedly weepy and both in the most wonderful ways. But it wasn't what I would have expected. But that was not an accident. I mean, each year, I'm sure you discover through the process of working with the, what's growing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a like lot music of it, Yeah, exactly. Uh, JP usually refers to it when we, you know, uh, pre-pandemic, we would do a two-act structure okay. um, and he would talk about it as an album. It's got an A-side and a B-side. And mm-hmm. now that we've moved to the sort of more, you know, 90-minute, no intermission format, it's a little bit more CD-shaped. But uh, yeah, it's, again, this sort of comes back to, you know, we're trying to be very cognizant of where and when we're creating this show. Yeah. And what does it feel like, you know, we as a as the Touchstone Company, as the Bethlehem community, as the greater, you know, world community, like, where are we right now? And what is the feeling? And how can we both capture that and, you know, observe that and rise above it, perhaps. But like you said, it's it's none of that is an accident. Yeah, it's interesting to me, I think, again, for the average audience member, one of the things that struck me, given that, at least 20 different scenes, this hour and a half ride, it's fast, it's moving. The costuming, the props, I'm like, you're just multiplying what you would do for a normal show by 20 <laughs> or something. And yet it was all kind of like the sweaters. I had to say, I was saying to this to Emma off air, I know the show is not about Christmas sweaters, but <laughs> there was the most brilliant collection of them on stage last night. I just, it was, it was amazing. I have to, my hats are off, my many hats are off to Abby Jean Lippman and Matt Prideau, who did the costuming and propping, yes? Yeah, so Abby Jean and Matt are two former students of ours. Okay. Uh, they graduated from our MFA program last year. We have an MFA that we run in partnership with Moravian University. And Abby Jean and Matt went through this two-year program with us. They've been involved in the Follies process, two very different Follieses, twice. And, and they both got a lot of skills in terms of, you know, costume design, uh, Abby Jean with hair and makeup, okay. Matt a lot with uh, props and, and puppetry. And so this year, we were really grateful to be able to, you know, utilize their talents in making a lot of looks. Um, Sometimes it's just, oh, you need something nice that's kind of vaguely Christmassy and something you'd wear over to your grandparents' house, maybe. And then other times, like, okay, we need something slightly more wacky, like a a Christmas sweater with dinosaurs on it. (laughs) And then other times... It's like, okay, what is like the weirdest looking animal we can, you know, <laughs> make and still have it read as Christmassy? Go. And have it all work fast. Oh, yeah. I, oh, for sure. I was trying to imagine the costumes changes behind the scenes and it made my head hurt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, you know, in, in a standard show, you know, you're you're rehearsing your lines, you're, you're rehearsing your dancing, your, your music. And something we are also rehearsing a lot is our costume changes because it's, it, you know, it's important for us to really be able to that, that kind of vaudeville pattern of like, all right, and we're going to dance off stage this way and yes, we're going to come back on, on stage this. another way. And the curtain's going to go up and the curtain's <laughs> going to go down and everything's going to be different without stressing the appearance of course, is really important. But I have to say, it's also wonderful. And folks should know the range of when it's wacky, it's insanely wacky like side-splittingly wacky. And then suddenly, again, there'll be these moments that aren't, not sad, it's just what the holidays are, that kind of quiet or reflectiveness. 
And it's really lovely the way you all balance that. And I and it's interesting that the kind of contemporariness or the sense of place is shared between the two as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's again, that's sort of like a, a combination of, um, you know, where we're at in the world right now yeah. and like what we think we need right now. Yeah. And f- frequently, you know, it's the holidays. Things are a little bit crazy. Things are a little bit stressful. We're feeling lots of feelings. And we want to acknowledge that craziness. We want to acknowledge those feelings. We want to, you know, encourage moments of pause and joy and wonder and delight because it's so hard to, to stay in those in, in the, these very busy times. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of interesting moods to balance. And I thought there was a real sense of embracing that everyone's holidays aren't not, not perfect, but that they're funny, that it's kind of human. Not to give anything away, but when we're talking about decorating our bathrooms <laughs> for the holidays, yep. and I'm thinking, oh, my God, how do they know I do that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Other people do this? Um, it's just kind of, you, you, it's a whole embracing. <laughs> it, it, it's wonderful to discover shared experiences, isn't it? Where where you think, oh, this is just this strange little quirky thing that I do. And then to discover that, oh, no, other people as well. Oh, many other people as well. My goodness, we have this whole unspoken community. What joy. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> You're listening to Lehigh Valley Art Salon here on WDIY 88.1. I'm your host, Kate Scuffle, and I'm speaking with Touchstone Theater's Emma Ackerman about Touchstone's 23rd annual Christmas City Follies, their warm, funny, and much-loved holiday vaudeville running December 1st through December 18th. We'll be right back after this short break. WDIY 88.1 offers many choices and real voices. Folk music, from folk classics to the Gaelic traditions of the British Isles, to bluegrass and old-time music of Appalachia, to the modern-day singer-songwriters telling the story of today's world. You'll find it all here on WDIY. Listen and enjoy the wide variety of folk music every weekday evening, 7 to 9 p.m., just after NPR News Headlines, and Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. on 88.1 WDIY and streaming at WDIY.org. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Art Salon here on WDIY 88.1, Lehigh Valley Public Radio. I'm your host, Kate Scuffle, and tonight I'm talking with Touchstone Theater's general manager and ensemble member, Emma Ackerman, about Touchstone's Christmas City Follies. We're back, Emma, and before the break, we were talking a little bit about, well, everything from costumes <laughs> to, to how the show... Quite com- the process. <laughs> right, to the, the process of how the show comes together. And it struck me last night watching, I, I know that you don't consciously set out to, like, you know, have a theme for, for the show each year, right? I assume you don't. But does something tend to emerge since you're so open to kind of the Christmas that is this Christmas of 2022, for instance? Like, last night felt very much to me like I was experiencing the holidays, not just Christmas, too, from so many different perspectives, both in the humorous context and in the serious context, maybe more than ever, really rich. And then, again, without a spoiler, and I won't talk about how it works, but, you know, even acknowledging what's happening in the Ukraine right now, which just felt suddenly really important. And like, of course, and how can we be talking about, I don't know, Christmas without feeling this whole world community? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that part of the part of the fun and weirdness of doing ensemble work is that as a group of actor creators coming together, like we are more than the sum of our parts. There is a certain alchemy that happens when you get a bunch of creative people into a room together. And like no matter what each individual is bringing to the table, 
something different happens when you get them all into that kitchen and cooking together and seeing like what what rises, you know, what rises to the top. So I think that's that's both true of, you know, what you observed about this year's iteration of Follies, that it very much is about a sort of collection of perspective, like different perspectives on like what the holiday season might look like and what it can or should look like. And the fact that none of these is wrong and none of these is right and that they are all part of the human mosaic of the holiday season. But it's also just true about the way thematic stuff emerges in ensemble work anyway. Like, no matter what intention we go into the room with, like, something different is going to, we're, we're going to cook up, cook up something different than we thought we were going to. It has to be really daunting, scary, and really exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love that sort of journey from the first day of rehearsal. And we, we have this tradition where first day of rehearsal, we finish getting all of our initial sticky notes up on the wall, and then we take a group picture in front of it. And that so the journey from that group picture to the cast picture that we take as, you know, part of the show, that is a fascinating, weird and wonderful journey to take. Envious in the best possible way. <laughs> and on that journey, given that, again, the audiences that are coming back too, and that mix of favorite, the, the recurring themes, some of the recurring things, in that process of making a new show for the new year, is it? easier to start from scratch with a post-it note image like the shadow puppets or is it easier to revisit big red i mean is it harder to refresh each year or is it, you know how does that pan out yeah it's uh, i would say both are challenging in different ways um uh-huh. uh, i know that some years you know bill might come in with something very specific for the old guy mary might come in with something very specific for little red but frequently because they've been doing doing follies for so many years that both of them have it's a challenge to find like what is what is new ground to tread for these characters. What are ways that not just this show but these specific characters can, uh, you know, find a new moment. But then it's also like you know the blank page, the blank stage is a very very daunting and exciting sort of place. I know that for me personally, I had a few fun experiences this in this year's development process. With, uh, with material that did not make it to the final show, again, for perfectly reasonable reasons. But just saying like, uh, hmm, well, I've got about half an hour and I need to make something. I'm just going to go write a song and just go away and come back with a song. And it's like, I didn't have a specific idea for this, but now something exists in the world and it, it didn't 30 minutes ago. So sometimes that that inspiration is just there and it works. And other times it's just like, you know, three people in a breakout session, like banging their heads against the wall saying like, uh, this, have we tried this yet? <laughs> uh, so all, all this to say the process is sometimes very easy and the ideas flow and other times it's, you know, a slog and both happen, whether it's yeah. whether it's a recurring material or, or not. And given that, by the time you arrive on the stage for opening night with with the muse having descended, hopefully, um, <laughs> And again, because there's that repetition and yet freshness each year and all of that going on, how does it feel for you as a performer inside the show, for you as the company members, as the ensemble, night after night you're offering this? What does it feel like when it's all the pistons are clicking, when it's, when it's on, when it's working? What, is, what happens? Yeah. Well, again, because Touchstone is such a small house, uh, we have a 72-seat theater, so the, we're right up next to the audience. 
there is this wonderful exchange of energy that happens between the stage and the audience that happens when things are, are really clicking. And, you know, in a comedy sort of scene, that's a very easy thing to track. You tell a joke, the audience laughs. You can tell that there's that back and forth, that rapport happening. But, you know, not everything in Follies is super comedy laughing. A lot of the time it's it's more thoughtful or sentimental or more of a giggle than a guffaw. And in those moments, it's like, OK, like how else do we feel this exchange happening between the audience and the performer? What's happening in that space between Touchstone as a theater company started doing theater outside on the streets. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing theater in the streets, there is no wall in between the performers and the uh, spectators. They're right there. That connection is like there's nothing in between. And so that sort of that proximity and that complicity happening between performer and audience. I think that's really, you know, what we're what we're looking forward to feeling every night. I think it was really joyous. I mean, last night, for instance, when I was there, there's there's an exchange of, of noisemakers mm. with us in the audience. But there were also there was practically a cheering section down right <laughs> that, that of, of young people who were just having the time of their lives kind of responding and 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 uh, uh, short of catcalling, I think. But, you know, um, and and it's it, there is that sense of intimacy. You're not far from the stage; you can see each other. But there's also that sense of what's happening on the stage is so kind of uh, colorful and and strong and rich that it's yeah, it's a it's a lovely mix of that outdoor theater feel, I suspect. Yeah. And the best of the indoors. Yeah. Do people comment? I'm curious too. Afterwards, do folks? Do people linger more with the show than others to talk with you guys yeah, after? Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, it's an interesting thing to observe, uh, particularly over the last couple of years, you know, just knowing that there are health concerns still out there. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily everyone is going to stick around after the show. Uh, our lobby space is a little small. Um, we've got a cafe space right next door to the theater that folks can spread out into. But even that's a little bit close for, for comfort yeah. for some. But yeah, usually there's a, a really strong desire to just stick around and like whether or not these are people who know us sometimes um, to just like say hello and you know say thank you and say oh this one was my favorite and how the heck did you come up with the idea for this one and just to have that exchange continue past the borders of the stage. Were there any surprises so far in the run for you with how people responded to things? I mean, yes and no. I can, yeah. I'm not a, a specific one doesn't come to mind, but I think that uh, something that happens every year, uh, not just with Follies, but uh-huh. with uh, you know, Touchstone does original work. It's what it's it's our thing. It's what we're known for. Sure. We are not generally doing uh, shows that have their own history and you know reputation already. Right. So opening night is always a surprise, mm. and to a certain degree, like JP as the director is keeping an eye on things from the outside. We have other uh, either company members or friends of the company who will come in and sort of like give an initial like, ah, this seems to be working, kind of watch through on an early rehearsal. But until opening night, we don't really know how this bird's going to (laughs) fly. So it's that sort of initial first night thrill of like, okay, yeah, yeah, we got a thing that works. The audience is coming along with us. All right, we can just like relax and have fun. That's a wonderful feeling. 
I can only imagine. And it's interesting. It doesn't seem to, because of the nature of the show, you have the flexibility to also, of course, kind of respond to the audience yeah. night to night. But I was struck by some of the local references to last night. Again, I don't want to do spoilers, but but I never really thought about the source of the Bethlehem Plaza Christmas tree, or the <laughs> Christmas tree outside City Hall. Or again, so we're going from, you know, City Hall in Bethlehem to Ukraine and obviously to things like the Broadcasting Network or the home of the super competitive folks that we, we won't get into that either, but lots of good Christmas sweater action there too. <laughs> um, and so again, that richness, it's interesting to me that I would hope it's archived in some way. It, it, I'd love to see at some point like this arc of, it's almost like a time capsule of yeah. our community, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know that Absolutely. you created yeah, and I remember, um, I think the best uh, example of this was a couple, I don't remember how many years ago this was, but the snow camel yes. a couple years yes. ago where there was a snowstorm yes. back up on the highway and there was a camel yes. going to on, yes. on the way to like a nativity play or yes. something. Yes. And so this camel, I think its name was Einstein, Einstein the camel went viral that year. So like that was happening, I think, mid-November. <laughs> So mid-November in the Follies rehearsal room, JP comes in one day is like, all right, we need to do a scene about Einstein the snow camel. And it's like, yep, sometimes you, you just like the universe gifts you something, it drops into your lap and you're like, yes, we must do something with this. Um, and then other times to, you know, not not to bring things down too much, but yeah. because the the ongoing situation in Ukraine is so like so uncertain and because, you know, we started creating this show in October, we wanted to be really mindful of, like, how can we pay respect and honor to the people, you know, undergoing this atrocious struggle and also be sensitive to the ever-changing nature of the landscape. So, like, it works both ways, the sort mm. of immediacy mm. of, like, what we want to include in the show. Right. It's, you know, it's both a, a something to, to benefit from and to be careful of. We pulled it off beautifully. And I hadn't thought about that with Ukraine. And again, it was pulled off just beautifully. Thank you. I'm sorry that we don't have more time to talk. I would encourage our listeners, again, we run through the 18th. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't move fast, you aren't going to get a ticket, though. Yes, we, we do tend to sell out a lot of our closing weekend, which we're coming up on. So I would strongly encourage everyone to head over to touchstone.org and get your tickets now if you want to make it. Um, we would love to see you in the audience. And you don't want to miss it. Trust me. Congratulations. And congratulations to everyone again over at Touchstone on a magnificent show. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for joining us right here tonight in the Art Salon. You can find past episodes of Lehigh Valley Art Salon and our other public affairs programming at WDIY.org, on the WDIY phone app, and, of course, on major podcast platforms. I'm Kate Scuffle. This is WDIY 88.1 FM, and I look forward to joining you again soon right here on Lehigh Valley Art Salon.